0: Welcome to Modern Day Missionaries, a podcast by Modern Day Missions created for missionaries by missionaries, where we talk about topics that affect our actual life on the mission field. This is a space where we get practical and personal and talk about the day-to-day real challenges and joys of this crazy life has called us into. I'm your host, fellow missionary, Stephanie Gutierrez. Where are you at on your journey of the soul? join Dr. Christy Gultier as she shares about the 6 stages of faith and how to live fully in Christ in each one. Hey everyone, stay tuned because at the end of our episode today, I'm going to be sharing how to get a free book and also be sharing a discount code that Dr. Christy gave us exclusively for MDM listeners. All right, with that, let's jump on in. Well, welcome to today's episode of the Modern Day Missionaries podcast. We are so honored to have Christy Gultier with us today. Christy has been a a psychotherapist and a spiritual director for many years, and she and her husband, Bill, co-lead a nonprofit ministry for pastors, missionaries, and people in ministry called Soul Shepherding. And as therapists and spiritual directors, they have spent over 70,000 hours. That's a lot of hours, Christy. (laughs) Yes, it is. It really is. And they've been right in there in the pool of pain with people, uh, sharing their learnings to strengthen others in their intimacy with Jesus and their emotional, relational, and spiritual health. I love a, how holistic that is. And then Christy, you're also a mother, three adult children, and a grandmother of two. Actually, now four. It's four. so Yes, we've had two recently. So two more babies, which is fun. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And for everybody listening, if you've never heard of soul shepherding, you need to visit it right after you're done listening to this episode. It's, it's something that I came across about a year ago when I was doing some research, and I was blown away by the wealth of resources that Bill and Christy have for people, particularly people in ministry like us. So Christy, thank you again for joining us today.
1: Oh, it's an honor to be with you, and I do love missionaries. So thank you to each of you in this community for your part in serving the Lord, your love oh. for his people.
0: It's awesome to meet people who are helpers of the helpers. So thanks for what you do. And, you know, Chrissy, I picked up a a copy of your latest book, Journey of the Soul. So that's something everybody here has got to pick up as well. And you guys have authored numerous resources, as I mentioned, but this is your most recent and it's absolutely outstanding. My copy is filled with underlines and little pieces of paper sticking out. And I really want to dig into some of this uh, and, and talk about it today because this is powerful. So as we start talking about faith and soul care today. I would just even love to hear what prompted you and Bill to write this book.
1: Well, we wrote it because this understanding of development, both spiritual and emotional development, have been so helpful to us in so orienting to Bill and I in our own personal walk with the Lord. And then as we work with people, We kept finding, again, it being so helpful for them when we would bring them just a little bit of that education and understanding. Because so often we found people would come to meet with us and they would feel alone. They would have questions inside that would turn kind of into a shame or a doubt. They would kind of wonder what's going on with me. I, I, I wouldn't dare tell anybody that I'm thinking or feeling this. Or what used to work for me before in my spiritual life isn't working anymore. And they would get kind of alarmed by that. And as we began to present and share what God had taught us, it was just so helpful to them. And we saw it unlock and really fuel their growth and their health and their ministry. And then as we were using it in ministry constantly as well, we thought this is a tool we need to get others
0: who are serving the Lord and equip the church with. As we start talking about the soul I love the way that you guys define soul. It was on page 25. I read, I underlined it. It says, notice that your soul isn't a wispy little ghost inside of you that floats up to heaven when you die. Flowing out from deep inside you, it encompasses your body and expands out into your social world. In other words, your soul is so large that your body is actually inside your soul. Can you talk for a minute a little bit about this definition of soul? I like this because this feels fresh and it feels uh, very holistic, as we mentioned earlier.
1: Yes. Well, the soul is very much our whole entire person. And it does involve every different aspect. And this is very biblical too. We see this, we studied scripture and a lot of the Hebrew, and this is where we got this understanding of the soul is actually from looking at all of scripture and what does scriptures say about the soul. And we were, it was actually a learning and a surprise to us as well. We had to un, kind of overcome some of the other things that we had thought about as if, well, your soul's eternal, but your body isn't. And so your soul isn't a part of your body. But actually, our, we are given a body and our bodies are as Dallas Willard, who Bill and I were so blessed to be mentored by Dallas and his wife, Jane. He he talks about this as our body is our personal power pack that God has given us. It, it gives us a sense of, of energy. Our body is very much important to God. It is holy. Matter matters to God. He created it. What we create matters to us. You see this in a child when they draw a painting and they come, they show it to you. They've they've created something and it matters to them. And what we are and what he's created matters to him. So our body is very crucial and an important part of one of the things God has given us in our soul and it affects every other aspect of our soul. It has an effect on our mind and our emotions, on our social relationships, on our spirit, our will, our heart. So all of these intersect with each other and important in our social relationships as well. My husband and I have been married 37 years. We have had a major impact on each other's soul. In fact, you don't find Christy's soul without a lot of built effect there and vice versa. And so we are very much a created relational beings and we affect each other's souls and our souls interact, or you might even say touch.
0: Yeah. And so this journey of the soul isn't just a piece of us floating along separate from the rest of us. It's our whole self moving forward closer to God. And you broke down this, this journey. I love that you use the the really the analogy of like a GPS of a map of finding where it is we're at so that we can identify that stage and then move on. And as you mentioned, it's not this uh, from one step to the next step to the next step. Sometimes we go backwards, sometimes we go forward. One isn't better than the other. But it is helpful, as you mentioned earlier, we feel sometimes stuck or we feel lonely or we feel lost or we feel like we're running and we can't stop. And it's nice to be able to kind of see on paper, oh yeah, this is where I am and this is what's important in this stage to continue growth. Would you be able to just give us a summary or an overview of those six stages that you talk about in the book? I would love to, but let me just say a little something about that map and the
1: importance of that because yeah. one of the things that Bill and I really enjoy doing in our free time is getting out in God's nature and just enjoying the beauty of a good trail. And we have been on many trails where we've gotten lost because we didn't have a map. And it can be very confusing if you don't know and one time we were walking a trail up near LA to a waterfall. There's not much water in Southern California. So it was something we were full of anticipation and excited about. We, we set out later in the day. We didn't plan accordingly. We didn't realize how long, how far it was. So we didn't have food or water. And I started to get tired. We weren't seeing anybody anymore. And I I finally said to Bill, you know, can we just turn back? This isn't fun anymore. And we were at this point where there was going to be this huge climb of up this huge wall of cement. And I just wasn't sure we were on the trail anymore. We had no reference or map. So we we turned back and then a couple of years later we were up near this trail again for conference and Some friends were with us. We had a free afternoon. We said, well, we've heard there's this waterfall trail. Want to do it? And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. We set out this time. We knew it was long. So we, we had water. We had food. It was earlier in the day. Do you know when we got to that same part of the trail where there was that wall of cement Looked like a big broken up freeway overpass? It seemed like this can't be a trail. There's nobody real. There's no map. Our friends kind of said, you know, we're done. We've had enough. Let's just go back. And so we turned back at the same spot. Then a year later, Bill and I were speaking at a church in the area. After church, we thought, what a great Sabbath activity. Let's go and and hike to this waterfall. We were so full of anticipation. We kind of know it. We're set. We go to that same place and I wanted to quit again because we still didn't have a map. Still nobody was around. It still seemed like there couldn't possibly be a waterfall anywhere near them. But just then I saw somebody at the top of that huge cement wall and I yelled up to him. I said, hey do you know anything about a trail or a waterfall? And he said, yeah, this is it. And I said, you're kidding. I said, well, how much farther is it? He said, oh, you're really close. And I was tired. I was kind of done again. I wanted to quit. And I said, well, is it worth it? Because I'm thinking, you know, is it going to just be this tiny little thing? And he says, oh yeah, it's worth it. You really should go. That was all I needed. I needed a trail guy. I needed somebody who knew the trail beyond the part that I had traveled who could encourage me and we need a trail guide and that's one of the one of the things that the journey of the soul map is it is a trail guide it's somebody who encourages it Let us lets us know it's worth it you could do it you're on track you're not lost this is a part of the trail even though it feels disoriented it feels like you've hit a wall you can make it and it will be worth it and i'm so glad that that I had that trail guide right then because we made it to the waterfall and it was an amazing waterfall. And we were refreshed by the droplets of God's grace there at the waterfall. And that's the way it is in our spiritual life too.
0: As you're talking, it's making me think one of the best parts about a map is when somebody's made a map and I see it, I know somebody's been there before. So I know (laughs) I'm not the only crazy one lost out in the woods. So for all the people who are identifying where they're at, as we look at this map, they can know other Christians have been here before you. You're not the only crazy one. You're not the only lost one. You're not the only That's frustrated right. one. Uh, yes. And there's something very, very encouraging and confirming about that. So, oh, it's what a great story. Good. Well, and then recently we were in Colorado and we were
1: hiking in Colorado Springs and on the trail that we were hiking in, there were several forks and we didn't have a map again. And I'm like, okay, which, which fork do we take? And I really appreciated they had in the ground a piece of wood and on it, they had put a sign that said, this is not a part of the trail. If you proceed, you may cause damage and be harmed. And I so appreciated that as well, because so often we run into these forks where other people have gone and it looks just as much like a trail as the other. And you don't really know without a map or a guide. And so to have those little trail markers there... We're, we're so helpful because Satan is always trying to deceive us and tempt us and pull us off of this trail. And so I just thought that was such a great guide as well. Isn't that true? what this map is because we do that for each of the stages that I'm going to talk about. There's a temptation at every stage because we have an enemy at every stage along our journey. And he is trying to take us out no matter how far along we go, how deep we go in our union with Jesus. The enemy is always trying to tempt us and distract us and pull us off track. So you asked me to talk about the six stages and I will give a quick overview of those. Yes. So we call them the Christ stages and that's because we wanted to put it in a acronym that would be really easy for somebody to memorize, especially as a a minister. It's so helpful to have this map in your head memorized and to use it as a framework as you're praying for someone to be able to quickly identify what stage you are. That will help you understand what spiritual disciplines are going to be specifically fruitful and helpful to them, and what ones they're not going to really connect to or might be dry for them. It's going to help you understand some of the temptations that they are facing. It's going to help you understand some of the unique invitations of grace that God has for them at that stage. So we wanted it easy to memorize. So we, we called these the Christ stages, six stages. And in the middle of the six, we hit a wall. And that's a, a stage of its own in a way, but it's also very much a soul pivot because it's a, a very crucial time in our journey. So let me unpack these stages just to real quick summary. The C Perfect. stage. Perfect.
0: Everybody listening right now is like, I want to hear. They've Good. got their their pens ready. So let's do it. <laughs> Good.
1: The C stage is confidence in Christ. Because when we first put our confidence, we come to Christ as our as our Savior, as our Lord. And then the second stage is H stage for help in discipleship. This is a stage where we've been Christian for a while, but we need help. And in following Jesus, we come to understand there's some things that he tells us to do. He teaches us, but we don't know how to do. And we need somebody who can companion us and teach us and show us and mentor us and give us that help. And we need further understanding help in with scripture, understanding how to interpret scripture. Then, after some years in the C and the H stage, we enter the R stage. The R stage is responsibilities and ministry. And this is the stage where we begin to discover the gifts, the spiritual gifts God's given us, and that He has called us to partner with others in the body of Christ with their gifts. And as we team together, we can accomplish so much more for His kingdom. So, the R stage, responsibilities and ministry, in our book, Soul our journey of the soul, we call those the joy gifts from. Romans that Paul gives us, and we kind of put some fresh names on them because it, it really is a joy. God gives us his gifts and to use them. After some years in the C-H in our stage, often we will hit the wall. And I won't talk about the wall now because we may come back to that in our conversation. But after the wall, if we get through the wall, which we have found in our research, half of American Christians never get through the wall. They spend their entire really? Christian life in the first three stages. Yeah. If you get through the wall, which you can, you can get through the wall. And this, that's one of the reasons why we wrote this book is because it's a huge help for that. But once you get through the wall, the next stage is the eye stage. This is the inner journey stage. And in the inner journey, we're doing a deep work. And I call this, for each of the stages, we do have a symbol that we unpack. But in the inner journey, the symbol is a shovel because it's a stage where God is Taking a shovel like kind of beginning to soften up the hardened soil of our, our soul, our heart, and beginning to unearth some things so he can breathe his breath of life into the soil of our soul and aerate it. He's beginning maybe to uproot some things we've gotten attached to. He may even uproot a very flowery or fruitful plant that we are very proud of and have some ego attachments to because he has a vision for something more that he wants to put there. Um, he, he may find some parasitic sins in there that need to be removed. We need some healing at this stage. Often in the inner journey stage, it's a season where some garden, some caution tape needs to go up around our garden. The gates need to close because we need to really re-strengthen in our intimacy with Jesus. And we need to develop and find our, our longing for God again, because oftentimes we've lost that in the busyness of the R stage. After some years in our journey stage, we're renewed in our health, we're renewed in our longing for God, and we are ready to re-enter a season again of active ministry. And so the S stage is spirit-led ministry. The symbol for this, the S stage is a sailboat, because by this time we have learned to move way deep into the ocean of God's love. And we've learned to just be still in the peace of his presence and to just float being upheld. Trusting his love, but we've also learned when the wind of the spirit comes to adjust ourselves and move with the spirit, and it is the greatest joy and thrill and in the S stage, the spirit love ministry stage differs from the responsibilities and ministry stage in many ways, but one of the key differences is in responsibility in ministries. We're more like rowing our boat really hard to get all this stuff done for God. but in the S stage, we've learned that in all that we're doing, we're doing it with God in his kingdom, by his power, not our own, for his glory, not our own. That's the spirit-led ministry stage. And then after many years in the spirit-led ministry stage, we move into the transforming union, the T-stage. Our symbol for the T-stage is wedding rings because we have walked long with God. We have been faithful with God. We've developed a deep intimacy with God. We've come to understand and be willing to suffer. Our love for God isn't dependent upon feelings or rewards anymore. We have more of a compassion for all people in the transforming union stage. But even there, we have an enemy still coming with temptation. And Bill and I have found the enemy in the transforming union stage is to diminish the person of Jesus Christ. And we see a lot of people go universal in the T stage, which just grieves us so much. And our model is, a, is actually, it's a circular model. It's not a linear model. This is not a stair step. You're trying to achieve your way up into heaven at all. Jesus does that for us. This is just a growth in our being more and more submitted and trusting fall of his spirit and able to move with his spirit. And even at that T stage, we need to circle back to the earlier stages because like any developmental model. We, we go back and we get the parts that we haven't gotten the fullness of yet. And we also have so much more to offer people in those earlier stages after we've experienced that. So for instance, as, as a child, I went through every developmental stage, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And then as I parented my children, I went through all those stages with them and I had things I was getting that I didn't get my first time through and so much more to give them because of my experience the first time through. Now is my grandchildren. I'm going through them all again and I'm enjoying them more than ever and finding the treasures in them all and having so much fun,
0: being be so competent with so much to share. Okay. What a beautiful summary of that. Um, and I'm listening to those and I'm, I'm doing what I hope everybody's doing. And that's imagining different pieces of my life and thinking, when was I in okay. that stage? And when was I in that stage? And okay, I'm going to make a guess here. I want you to, to correct me if I'm wrong on this, Christy, but I'm I'm listening to this thinking of missionaries. I'm listening to that, that H stage that you, in the book, I remember you described it strong, but stupid zeal without knowledge, where you're just kind of figuring (laughs) things out. You're asking lots of questions. You're being led lots of excitement. You kind of think about that new believer who's inviting everyone to church and some missionaries maybe who are fresh on the field might find themselves in that place. Um, or that our stage, uh you quoted Teresa of Avila, where you said, We live many years in this upright and well-ordered way. And when I think of R, it makes me think of running, that stage where you're just running mm-hmm. and running and doing Spend. and doing and doing and sometimes getting that false identity of finding yes. an identity and what it is that we do or what others are thinking of us. And then the I stage that um well, or the wall. I mean, let's not skip the wall, because I think so many of us are in the wall, but some people are coming out of that wall into that eye. We're asking a lot of questions. And So when I think of missionaries, I kind of think of primarily those are the eye and then that wall in between stages. Where are you seeing missionaries or people in ministry most often falling in the stages? Yes, You're you actually hit it
1: right. The responsibilities in ministry with all the excitement about all that they have learned and experienced and wanting to share that and being gifted and called to bring people in to relationship with Jesus and spread the gospel and strengthen the church. It's wonderful. And that is part of the reason why a lot of minist- missionaries then hit the wall because they are working so hard with such zeal. The work is so compelling. So they burst through boundaries. They don't know how to care for their soul. And the enemy just leads them into crashing into that wall, into a there's six types of walls we identify in Journey the Soul. And often that bull, that wall for somebody in ministry will be a burnout. They're just, they're exhausted. They've spent it all. They've been working too much on their own energy. They've neglected their own intimacy with Jesus, their own soul health. And, and they're at the end, maybe they get sick. There's relational breakdowns, a personal crisis. Another wall that we see people in full-time ministry run into is a blowout. They've been so busy doing all of this for God and they are resenting it. And so they start to kind of feel like, I guess I just need to kind of go take care of myself over here. And they start to indulge in a little illicit sinful pleasure. And um, they start to get this big sanctification gap between what they profess and what they believe and what they're actually living into. And it ends up in a moral failing, a big blowout. That's another thing oftentimes that we'll see at the wall a wall can be a deconstruction. And we're seeing a lot of this these days where people yes. are running into actual a faith crisis. What I believe doesn't seem to be true. What I professed, I'm not sure I really believe anymore. Um, seeing things that, and, and some of the deconstruction actually is healthy because along the way, as we are building into the, the our faith, there are some bricks that get in there that are not true that are not of the lord and sometimes we do need to deconstruct take some of those bricks out in order to reconstruct it more healthily with with god's truth where there's maybe been some misunderstanding some lies some yeah so i think it can be helpful too and that's one thing i do want to say is the wall is actually a grace when people hit the wall they feel shame they they come into our office and they feel like i don't know what's wrong with me i don't want to go to church anymore I'm doubting my faith. Uh, I talked to my pastor and he questioned if I was even saved or even a Christian. And they, you know, they're they just crying. They're bawling, I don't have anywhere I go to talk about this. I'm not sure what's happening. They feel so ashamed. I think I've done something wrong.
0: And they're just at the wall and it's normal, but we don't really have a safe place or language for it. And that's so important that you normalize that experience because it is, it's a devastating experience to hit the wall, especially when you've done it for the first time in your life. So I've said this before, but a girlfriend of mine, I remember saying, when I hit my wall, I told her, I don't know what's going on. And I was falling apart, like you'd mentioned. And she said, you know, the one good thing about hitting a wall is now you know where it is. So you don't That's have right. to hit it again. <laughs> it helps you realize your limitations. It helps you realize I I can't keep going anymore. You know, I, I was actually last night, even with a group of female pastors, and we were talking about just some of their challenges in ministry. And it was super interesting because I feel like half fell into the category of, of R. They were running and they were running and they don't take time for themselves and they don't have any boundaries and, but they feel like they have to do it in that people-pleasing category. And then the other half, were in that wall phase. I feel lonely. I feel dry. I feel stuck. There's interesting words that yes. pop up over and over again. What might be some specific things that people in the R stages and in the wall transition phase can do to move forward and not get stuck there?
1: Yeah, great question. And in the book, we do put some Pathfinder questions, some some exercises, some soul care exercises that really will help them with that. And that's a wise question to ask. That's exactly the question they do need to be asking. And one of the things that you need is, is not to try to maverick this, not to try to do it alone. We need help. We need to be ministered to, uh, we we say at soul shepherding, anybody that has themselves for a pastor has a fool for a pastor. We all need somebody who can be praying for us, who can yeah. see into our soul what we're defended against, what we can't see, a safe space where we can actually process through what we're experiencing and even hear ourselves say it. Sometimes we're surprised when we get a safe space to begin to talk about what we're experiencing or longing for. In our relationship with God or where those doubts are, or where um, maybe we have some emotions that we've been repressing or denying. That's one of the things also that can hit us at a wall is not being emotionally honest. We need a safe place. We need a Christ ambassador where we can be emotionally honest with ourselves, with them and with God. And that's a key thing. If you're going to get through the wall is to be able to be emotionally honest And it's only through that emotional honesty. We see this in the Psalms. The Psalms are emotionally honest prayers. The Psalmist is giving words and articulation. I think about Psalm 13 and David is crying out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemies triumph over me? And rejoice when I fall. You know, I mean, it's just crying out of a lot of pain, but emotional honesty there. And we can take heart from so many, 70% of the Psalms are lament Psalms. They're these prayers that are beautiful, emotional honesty. And we see over and over again, God meeting us in that. Even we see Elijah crying out in his pain. So I think that oftentimes we want to just as Christians, we think, well, if I'm really in tune with God, I'll just be happy all the time and positive all the time and all the other joyful emotions. But that, that's not true. And Jesus, actually, we did a Bible study on this. Jesus, we identified 39 emotions that Jesus felt, and they were not all positive emotions. And if you think about Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with us, it's one of the best but purposes. one who instead suffered and experience every trial and test that we do. Therefore, we can approach his throne of grace, of favor, of love, unconditional love to receive what we, the comfort we need, the help that we need. I mean, this is, this is such such good news for us. And yet so often we live depraving our souls of this. So that would be something that I would say is crucial. That's one of the reasons why Soul Shepherding, we have a whole team of senior spiritual directors that we have trained. They've been through our two-year training and they've received our training, which includes the the Christ stages and Journey of the Soul, this map. Because we, at any point, anybody listening to your podcast, wherever they are in the world, could go on Zoom and book an appointment to meet with a spiritual director right now would be confidential to have that place to be able to have a guide with them and someone praying with them. Because so often we feel isolated. We don't know where to find somebody. So we're trying to equip the church and equip your minister, your missionaries around the world with this, and many of your of the missionaries are coming to us to get trained as well so that they can train people in their country
0: to to do this because the need is in every country It really is um and again, just I'm so appreciative appreciative of you putting out those resources and I, I hope that people do connect with them, and you're right, I think in that wall stage that is. Or phase, it's where we do realize we need help. We don't always know where to go or what to do. So I love that today we're talking about what to do. So those are huge, super critical points, I think, for that wall. What would you say, Christy, to people who find themselves in the R stage, kind of the beginning stages? Because I think towards the end of that R is when you realize you're beginning the burnout, you're beginning to run too hard. But in the beginning of that R stage, it's fun, it's oh, exciting, goodness. everything's flourishing, you're doing fantastic things, you might be getting applause. You're running, 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 and people don't even realize they're running towards a wall. It's fun and it's exciting and it's positive. Yes. And how can somebody maybe proactively recognize a wall might be coming so they don't crash into it quite so hard? It's so good you're asking this, Stephanie,
1: because one of the things you're pointing out that is so important to be sad is that every stage, the C-H-R-I-S-T stage, every stage is a great stage. Yeah, And God is with us and active and working in our lives in every stage. So I would it would be tragic if somebody thought, oh, I've just got to get to the T the stage. That's the goal. No, the goal is to be where God has you right now and be responding to his work, to the opportunities, to all the good he has for you in that stage, but also the invitation that he's giving you because we are, it, it is a cyclical model. So we have a home stage that we're in, but we're getting touches back to the previous stage. We're going back there because we're so competent in that. And we have so much to offer other people. And often our discipleship is people in previous stage to ours. And then we're getting touches into the next stage because it's the way the spirit woos us and invites us and appetizes us for what's next. So when we are healthy in our soul, we're not just functioning in our home stage, but we're functioning in the next two. But one of the things, so when we first move into the arm, we're getting those touches in the arm, we're first moving into the arm. It is so exciting. It's wonderful to find the, the Lord using you and you're teaming with other people, making this huge impact for the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. And, he, and it's, it can be addictive to oh, see yeah. the way that God uses you. There's no greater joy than to be a vessel of the Lord and to have mm-hmm. a front row seat to what God's doing. And that's why we, we do get so in. It's also a time when we're growing in competence in the gifts he's given us. And that's exciting, too. It, it's like he's, he's handed us the key to the card saying, have at it. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, we feel empowered. We're getting a lot of appreciation often early on in that responsibilities in ministry stage, maybe even from mentors who are, who are affirming us and giving us greater power and trust. So the first part of that, our stage is a is wonderful it's, it's later where we start to just get tired. It's familiar. It's the burdens we're carrying. It's the vicarious trauma we're suffering from the people that we're ministering to and, and their trauma, from the, the criticisms that come, from the feeling like we, we can't do anything right because people are never pleased, from enemies' attacks, all of that that begins to take its toll, those hits, those wounds on our soul that land us at the wall. So just understanding that and being aware of that and on the lookout for that and having language for that. Um, Also, being able to set boundaries is really important to learn in the R stage. If you don't learn to set boundaries in the R stage, you are going to hit the wall and it's probably going to be pretty messy Mm -hmm. and and you're going to end up there pretty wounded. So we need to to set those boundaries. And another really important thing to be doing at at the R stage is some self-reflection work which is what you have to do in the inner journey stage. And if you're going to get beyond the wall, if you're not doing any self-reflection work in the R stage, then probably what's going to happen is you're going to form a false identity around I am what I do. I am what I'm doing for the Lord, or I am what I have, these gifts that I have, or this ministry that I have, this family I have, or these children I have, this marriage I have, whatever you're looking to for your identity or even I am what people think of me. And so you're constantly in the responsibilities and ministry stage trying to play to the people and getting the applause or getting the numbers or the results or the converts or higher fundraising. All of those things, we can very much get our hearts or our egos attached to in the R stage. And those are those are dangers. Those are roadblocks, we call them in
0: the book. Absolutely. And one of my favorite parts is then when you get into the S stage, which almost seems to be like a counterpart, or not the opposite of, but it, it's a fuller, it's a fuller version of the R stage. In that you're you're often running very hard in the S stage, but your Y is different. You're doing it from a different place, from a place of being settled, instead of a place of proving and testing yourself and seeing what you can do. It's this. There's a lot more peace and a lot more understanding, like you said, of boundaries. So that's, it's exciting to just see all the ways in which God can continue to help us be fruitful and grow and flourish in every one of these stages, not worrying about which one we're in right now, but wanting to know where it is and going, God, how can I be the best I can be in this stage? And then what steps do I need to take to continue to move forward? And some of that is, is age naturally, as you mm-hmm. said, and then a lot of it's maturity. And I love that you keep coming back to other people Um, using the book as a guide, and then also using other people as a guide, somebody who's maybe walked through these stages before. How did you navigate that? wall? finding somebody who just kind of radiates that peace and going, you look like you're farther ahead than me on this. How did you navigate the wall? What did you do when all the questions and self-reflection came up in the I stage? It is really helpful to not do this alone. So I'm grateful again that you have spiritual directors that you have resources. People could really do a small group around this and kind of dig into it together, not comparing which stages they are in. Oh, look at, you've got it right there. You're yeah, so Yeah, we have a leader's guide that
1: helps just for that reason and other resources to help with that as well. We've got fun soul talk cards where we've got questions for each of the stages and Bible verses for each of the stages. Every single card has the kind of the visual for the stage and symbol. And then it has a, a Bible verse and a question fun way to learn the stage, a great way to disciple your children or others in a small group. And we also have a Spotify playlist that has over 30 contemporary Christian worship songs for each of the stages because our Christian artists are singing about their home stage. They're singing out of that and there are beautiful articulations and even the energy of the, the music reflects the stage. So that's also a fun way to get greater awareness of your stage and articulation of your
0: stage. That is Brilliant. I'm so happy that you mentioned both so people can go in and dig in. And again, as they're looking for what stage they're in, even if they're in a small group, it's not comparing stages like, oh, you're in a farther stage than I am. It's not about that. It's just about being on the journey that God's placed you on and letting him take you there when he wants to. So, um, Chrissy, I cannot thank you enough. This was such a meaty interview. I want to go back and listen to it all over again. But I'm just, again, really grateful that you came on and shared all of this today. And we're going to be sending people to the Soul Sharpening website and putting links to all the resources that you mentioned. But again, just thank you. Appreciate you. Oh, you're so welcome. Such
1: joy. Thank you. Thank you for your interest. And thank you for helping those that are called within your organization to serve Jesus, to be better
0: equipped and stronger for his kingdom. Christy, could I ask you to close us with a prayer just over everybody who's listening today? Oh, be my honor. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, Jesus, we
0: love you. We
1: praise you. We thank you that you are our mediator, but also, Jesus, you are our model. As you came to become human, to live life on this earth, that you grew through each of these stages of development, and you have experiential knowledge and love and understanding for each person listening to this podcast, and you are with them. You are the one who said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And you are active in their life. And Lord, I pray for each one of these listeners that you would enable them to take some time just to stop and to reflect with you on their soul's journey in you and to learn from you and to receive more of your grace for them at the stage of life they are in and ministry. They are in. That they would be strengthened in their union with you. And also that you, by your spirit would continue to teach and grow and equip them for all that you've called them to do. And that you would help them to continue to increase and their ability to enjoy their life in you and to overflow from a full cup to those around them all for your glory in jesus name
0: amen amen thanks so much christy and everybody else thanks again so much for joining us and we will see you on our next episode
1: since 2008 Modern Day Missions has been providing financial, administrative, and marketing services to Christian missionaries around the globe. We're currently partnered with more than 750 missionaries in 75 different nations. If you or someone you know are looking for a nonprofit covering to fulfill your mission's vision, Modern Day could be the answer you're looking for. Find out more at modernday.org.